and welcome back to the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends today's episode is about jurassic world dominion joining me at one point they kind of slid into each other's dms it's adam lichtenstein and <laughs> kayla lichtenstein what's going on guys I can't believe they made Laura Dern say those words in that order. <laughs> oh, so God. what's a DM again? <laughs> oh, my God. These kids these days and their DMs. You're sliding um, into, their, into people's DMs. You know yeah. what, though? If anybody was sliding into anybody's DMs, you know, totally makes sense. I'd slide into was Dr. <laughs> yeah, the, it's a... We're so gonna have to talk about we're gonna have to talk about the, <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about the writing in this movie a little bit. But uh, Jurassic World Dominion it is uh, the new film from director Colin Trevorrow who directed Jurassic World, but also uh, wrote Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom that was directed by J. A. Benova. Um, and this one he also shares like screenplay credit with Emily Carmichael and with his a story by credit with his producer Derek Connolly. It is obviously kind of the third in the Jurassic World franchise. Where it's, we're seven years past when Jurassic World came out, and in, in, in within the world of the movie, it takes place like four years after Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, where we last saw you know uh, kind of the destruction of Isla Nublar and uh, the whole shenanigans that went down at the Lockwood estate with that dinosaur auction thing that resulted in, you know, dinosaurs actually getting out into the world and uh, left us with an interesting visual at the end of that movie. And here we pick up and, uh, you know, again, dinosaurs are kind of among us and people have been kind of using them for the nefarious gains. Basically, we see uh, Claire Deering's continued to like, you know, be a dinosaur advocate trying to save them from, you know, shady breeders. Uh, Owen is uh, Owen Grady's trying Chris Pratt's Owen Grady is trying to kind of hunt them down that when they're when they're kind of, you know, in areas where they shouldn't be to get them to the proper places for help. And they're trying to help out any way they can. But, you know, it seems like other people have more nefarious, uh, more nefarious aims as we kind of see there's a kind of a creepy CEO type Dr. Lewis Dodgson, who is the CEO of Biosyn, who, you know, kind of has his own uh, his own. seeming on the surface probably like you know trying to use dinosaurs for good and scientific research and all that but we come to learn maybe he has some hand in these things with locusts that aren't all that great and he also may be trying to hunt down uh macy lockwood the granddaughter of uh, benjamin lockwood and clone daughter of charlotte lockwood who we met who i forgot meeting like i told you guys in fallen kingdom it tells you how much i thought of fallen kingdom but you know she's been kind of uh being raised by owen and claire because they kind of you know connected with her at the end of the last movie and but she gets abducted along with uh velociraptor blues daughter beta and or do we know if beta is a girl or boy i can't remember um i don't think I don't so know. I think I we can know. assume, though, that she's a girl because they talked about the um, reproduction side. Oh, yeah. It. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. So we can assume re- that she's a girl. I feel like they might have referred to it as a she, too. I just I can't really remember. But, you know, they, they get abducted, uh, you know, by uh, Dr. Dogson's, uh, you know, uh, hooligans and you know he also has uh dr henry Wu working for him who you know bd wong is a nice guy but that's just you know he's like the shadiest character they're still hanging around after all these movies uh guys we end up you know i should say biosyn has these like headquarters that are like you know just like deep 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 in like some mountains in italy or something but we also you know have a have a uh, have a quick detour. I think is it to Morocco or Malta, 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 right, right, and to you know see what this kind of black market world of dinosaurs looks like. It's a it's a pretty expansive it's a pretty expansive world that just kind of collapses into this this Biosyn headquarters where all these different kind of dinosaurs have been preserved and are running around. And I guess 
what I'll say, guys, is, and I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw it to you guys in a second. My broader issue with this movie was I, I don't think I really like that setting. I think the second movie uh, kind of like, you know, showed us like the promise of something really good at the end, even if that wasn't a great movie in and of itself. Like, what would it look like if we actually had dinosaurs among us, whereas they've been confined to, you know, they never really been that question had never exactly been raised in the prior movies to the extent that the second one promised the third might show us. And we end up just kind of like in this other kind of like, really, really futuristic layer of, of this corporation for like so much of the movie. And I thought it just kind of like failed on the promise of something that could have been very interesting. Kayla, I know you recently did a rewatch of all of these movies. What did you go into Jurassic World Dominion hoping to see? And did it uh, live up to your expectations? And if not, was it at least entertaining? Um, I definitely went into it expecting dinosaurs. And <laughs> I mean, kind of the bare minimum there, right? But no, I was looking forward to obviously like what are they going to do with the dinosaurs, especially after how Fallen Kingdom ended with them getting kind of released into the wild. Um, I wasn't surprised to see the whole like black market trade side of it. I was looking for, you know, a fun adventure. I Overall, I was pretty disappointed in the writing. I feel like a lot more could have been done and I know we're definitely going to get into that but after doing my rewatch I went into it kind of fangirl I was like disappointed I didn't have a Jurassic Park shirt to wear and I was definitely not wearing pink iguanodon earrings so there's that (laughs) you've been planning a rewatch for like a month uh, leading up to this movie I don't understand how you couldn't have acquired a shirt to wear to this movie but you know I think okay well I couldn't I couldn't find one that I liked. I'm very oh, okay. 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 Uh, Adam, did you, did, were you satisfied by this movie? <laughs> no, um, it's not a good movie, but you said you're going to recommend it to people right before you yes, started recording. Yes, so it, it, a, movie, a movie cannot satisfy you, but be worth recommending is how you would it, put it. It could be entertaining enough to like spend mm-hmm. $15 and two and two and a half hours um, to watch. And but, even like, less than that, if you are feel... a subscribers it, like us. Yeah. Well, it didn't yeah, exactly. feel like, two and a half hours so that's something i enjoyed about yeah. it yeah i mean it wasn't so bad that i like i wanted to walk out of the theater but i wa- i'm like watching like we were watching this and i was like this is not good this is not quality entertainment like or this is not like, a quality film like uh but i was entertained enough to make it through the whole movie uh for the most part like there are cool parts like and there are fun parts to watch but like yeah like the the dialogue's not good and it's just really and like you said i was kind of hoping to see more of like hey, there are dinosaurs all around the world now, like, doing dinosaur things, and we only get, like, a, you get, like, a montage. Like, a short yeah. montage. Okay. They, literally, they literally do it in the form of, like, a now this clip. It's like, dinosaurs are all around the world doing things, and you get a couple different things, like, and I remember right in the trailer, like, didn't the trailer, like, kind of lean heavily into, like, dinosaurs rampaging around a city? You get, like, one scene of that. Uh, if I remember right, I, I could be, I could be wrong. Um, but let me let me just add in, though, I will say I think something that added to like our movie experience is because it was, you know, lacking in certain ways that Adam and I were making comments to each other. So this would be a very fun, like mystery science, like, you know, uh, mystery science theater 3000. Yeah, so I, like, I didn't, I didn't get to be part of the fun. Since you guys booked your movie tickets without me. So I had to be like three seats down with. Just like these dudes on their phones the whole time to my left. So maybe you guys had a more satisfying experience than, than I did because of that. Though I did have some things I like to that I'll get to. You mentioned like how you wanted more than like that montage or the now this clip, Adam. There was one moment in that now this clip where it was like, 
I thought it was like honestly kind of striking where they show like a dinosaur just right next to a train. And mm-hmm. I thought we were going to see like the train hit the dinosaur or something. I was like bracing myself. It didn't even do that. And I was just like, see, I, I think I actually think that's interesting where it was like, I mean, I want to know what it is like for like the harmless herbivores. Like, are they just like really popular? Does everyone like chilling with them? Everyone um, wants about- a little baby stegosaurus. Exactly. Or what is it like for the, uh, what is it like for like the, I don't know, some a, a dinosaur like blue who we know can be trained to not necessarily be super harmful, but could easily be spooked into becoming violent. Or I, I, can t- I can tell you, I can tell you what it's like because we live in South Florida where people do the same stuff with, you know, pythons where like, Oh, Python, that's a cool pet. And then when they get more than like five feet long, they release them into the Everglades. And now it's a massive problem when you just kill pythons whenever you see them in Florida. Yeah, maybe maybe we live a little closer to that than I would like to think about. But um, well, you, you know, I I just I think there could have been a movie to be made where you never even went inside of something like Biosyn, where we see this black market stuff, and I think that's obviously something that would happen if like something uh, like if I could, I mean, if I could allow myself to conceive of something like this happening in our world, that would be totally something that would happen. There would be black market people trying to make money off of this, and I'm like, I could, why couldn't there have been like, a, I think there could have been a tighter version of this movie where you're having to encounter different dinosaurs in cities around the world, maybe if you want to keep the scope that big in a way, but like maybe they're just on a mission to like track down a track down a poacher that is like captured blue or something like that you know what and- i was thinking on it as you guys were like oh i feel like you know we're missing how they're interacting i was like this sounds like a book i know from my childhood you guys wanted dinotopia mm, <laughs> yes i <did>. wanted <laughs> <laughs> is it so that that's actually a book you've read before Yes, like, like acquire, as a child. Acquire the movie rights. Acquire the movie rights. I know, but no. Okay, so hold on. Side note: Here's the synopsis of Dinotopia, because this sounds like exactly what you guys are wanting. All right. So imagine an isolated island inhabited by shipwrecked humans and dinosaurs who have learned to coexist peacefully as a single symbiotic society. Um, I, let's see. Well, the dope. plot. The plot concerns. Um, author Dennison and his son Will and the various people they meet in their travels in Dinotopia. Like, well, this is I what you guys wanted. <laughs> well, I would totally see that movie if made by the right people. But I mean, I, I, I'm here for seeing them to pick different big cities. Like, we're, we're, in the, we're the point where you can fake many big cities, even if you don't film them. Let me see one of these things walking around the old city of Philadelphia or walk, walk one of them walking around London and or something like that. And just like how that kind of looks. And I think I could have had a globe trotting movie where it's just dinosaurs just regularly walking around the streets. And every now and then you got to understand, like, how do they deal with the carnivores? You know, like gritty, really gritty know. just beating the hell out of a velociraptor. <laughs> sure. I'm here for it. Dinosaurs are just like us. <laughs> and, and yeah, that I, I was, when we saw that now this clip, that's the kind of movie I thought we were in for. And it just, it, it, it never really had any interest in any of that stuff. And I thought that was like why I was kind of excited to see this movie. I mean, I, my expectations weren't that high because I'd already seen the Rotten Tomatoes score and the overall negative reviews before going in. So I, maybe I just kind of assumed it'd be stupid writing that would like bring it down. Not that like the movie was lacking for any of that, but like I just I, I just thought like, hey, at least I'm going to get to see something kind of more visually interesting. And said, I mean, I don't know where they filmed Biosyn. For all I know, it could have all been done in like a you know on green screen, but uh, it just it just was not super super interesting visually in the way i in the in the way i was hoping for and i thought i thought the malta sequence is okay i was a little weird how it's like we can put a laser on it and then they know exactly where to go 
but maybe those uh raptors that had like maybe they had maybe those were well those were some of the like genetically modified raptors i guess maybe right or computer generated yeah i don't know i think they were just or they were breeded or or something something. i don't know it's like a throwaway line like oh we they do this because plot Um, yeah i wasn't i wasn't wild about that not okay but kind of side plot like i wasn't wild about that whole nonsense well so before you even get to biosyn though you see that owen and claire have like kind of adopted um have have adopted Maisie and are like kind of raising their raising her as their daughter i for one like i mentioned before had like even forgotten that girl was in the last movie you guys had at least kayla had rewatched those more recently than me We, we had watched fallen kingdom like the night before i think okay you both had okay so like uh, I don't remember how like how big of a character she. I read the synop the Wikipedia synopsis of Fallen Kingdom earlier tonight, so I don't. I, I have an idea of what her role in the last movie was. As someone, as people who had just watched that movie, were you a little more invested in her? And did you like f- find yourselves at least kind of connecting to this makeshift family that they created and feel kind of emotionally invested in that? Or whenever they focused on that, were you like, let me just see the dinosaurs go roar? I, I mean, I was not super emotionally invested because yeah. like these people like Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt spend like I don't know 20 minutes at the end of Fallen Kingdom with this girl like and sure they go through a traumatic event where they're trying to escape from this mansion or whatever I was only I only like maybe three quarters watching the end of Fallen Kingdom and like okay there's that but it's like you so I'm like wait but you don't you didn't know this girl before you just you just kidnapped her you just took her I mean mm. yeah like she didn't, maybe didn't have anyone to you know watch her take care of her you know, at that mansion, you know, who in her any family or anything, but like, I'm like, she's a rescued dinosaur. Yeah, I'm like, y'all that's kind of their gig. Her. They rescue the dinosaurs. She's just one, one of I, them. I, mean, I, I guess. guess. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, y'all kidnapped her. Like, you are not her legal guardians. Hmm. Yeah, I guess she doesn't really have any, but uh, I don't know. I it it was a little disorienting because like I didn't, even though I didn't really remember her in the last movie, I just. I didn't think she could have been that big. It felt like they were assuming that, I don't know. It felt like they assumed that we had a longer relationship with those three as a unit than we actually did. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of hard for me to really like connect in that way at all. And I, I may, but it may, who knows? I maybe I would have felt a little different if I had actually rewatched Fallen Kingdom since seeing it in the theaters about exactly four years ago. That was like, that was honestly like one of my first pod. I was like within the first like three or four podcasts I ever did. And we're coming, we're six days away from the first episode of this rewind ever posting um for the four-year anniversary of that uh so i don't know like i mean i i would have i i like that actress enough though uh i i also kind of wondered like how she was so british despite like seemingly like almost always like living in like not living well in the, the accents in general were a disaster this movie <laughs> which other ones are you thinking of when you say that uh dr grant like all of a sudden was like super scottish oh okay what, what is he in the first one not is he american in the first movie he's from new yeah. zealand he's from new Ze- well he's from new zealand in real life well no oh yeah, wait I, no i i, I know Samuel in- is. oh okay i don't know he's i think he just has i don't think he really has an accent in the first one Speaking i don't know Samuel being one, from- there was definitely an accent happening i was like that was not in the first movie have you guys have you guys ever watched hunt for the wilder people no oh that was an excellent movie excellent so you've, you've seen it and adam has yes. it Adam, yeah, you should watch so that. It's a fun Sam Neill performance. It's uh, it's the one basically the movie Taika Waititi did before he did Thor Ragnarok. Um, oh, uh, oh but it's like, so good. 
uh, yeah, I saw, I saw it the night of the first night of the first day of the bar exam. I didn't study it all that in between. I went to the movies at the Tampa theater in downtown Tampa, and, which is oh, it's a little surprising thing to see how weird that place is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> great movie. And that was like the, the first time I'd seen San Neil like in a while, since I guess the first time I'd watched Jurassic park. Uh, um, but yeah, like I, uh, I, 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 if I had rewatched, I mean, Jurassic Park is, it is, it is a great movie. And if I had, if I had rewatched it recently, maybe the, uh, maybe his uh, voice would have been distracting me. Thankfully, I couldn't remember what he was supposed to sound like, but I, I yeah, guess, it I was guess... not accented. It was like very American because we were literally just watching Jurassic Park again, just kind of because we were remembering a lot of callbacks from the first, mm-hmm. uh, first three movies. So we're like, we're going to watch the first one today uh because they are all like on hbo max and he definitely didn't have an accent Hmm. dr malcolm shows up briefly in fallen kingdom if i remember correctly um but what was notable for this was that it brought back dr alan grant and dr ellie sattler played by uh sam neill and laura dern respectively uh and i mean i guess if they say they want to come back to a jurassic park movie they're gonna they're gonna get those people back in a jurassic park movie uh but what did you guys think about how they brought them back into the fold it was like it i mean in some ways maybe it could feel contrived or were you just kind of happy to see them or were you then like happy to see them and then when you heard the writing for their characters you're like yeah maybe we didn't need to do this (laughs) so i was happy to see them obviously um you know, huge Jurassic Park fans. So for me, it was that fan service that I appreciated, but kind of how they integrated them made things really disorganized, disorganized in terms of like the larger, you know, dinosaur plot line, but also some of my nitpicks for the movie. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I'll just, I'll ask the logical follow up there. What, what, are, what, what, what are some of those nitpicks that relate to them then? the timeline like I don't mm. like I feel like the just timeline throughout the movie was not consistent um it wasn't very well defined like sometimes it was night sometimes it was day <laughs> but we have two separate plot lines and plot line a would be in day and plot line b would be at night and it was really disorganized well, um, well I think I think someone posted on reddit it was like at the same time these things are happening, like uh, you have Maisie being kidnapped in like Colorado, flown right. to Malta, and then flown from Malta to Italy, all while, and then there's like stuff happening in all those places. All during all like the while, daytime? Yeah, all while while uh, Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler are touring Biosyn. Like, I'm like, how long are they touring this facility? 18 hours? Right. So like the timelines are super disorganized. Like, okay, I will fully accept that we can introduce multiple plot lines on different timelines, but the way it was presented, they want the viewer to kind of assume it's all happening at the same time while also wanting the viewer to understand that it's not. I don't know. It just felt very disorganized to me in that way. I mean, there are other inconsistencies with it, but like, I did not even think about the timeline once. I'm not saying you're wrong. I can see how, and like, I mean, you don't always have to, not everything always has to be happening in real time, I guess. So I guess I just Mm -hmm. took that for what it's worth. Uh, You know, it's maybe not totally a unique strategy to like, you know, have different plot lines covering different periods of time slightly like so i think i just kind of took that for what it was and didn't think didn't think too hard about it as it was going on but i i, yeah, but I they tried say- to con- they were converging the plot lines so like when you have that you know right. meeting point you mm-hmm. kind of are under the assumption that 
you know, these timelines are progressing in the same way to get to, you know, this meeting point. I don't know. That's how I felt about it. So that's why it felt really disorganized for me. Gotcha. Adam, I think had you said you, you would watch somewhat recently like Jurassic Park Lost World in three or no? No, I haven't. Um, I actually, we were watching the Lost World before we started, uh, started recording the podcast, so, but so, I haven't actually seen it in a while. So Grant and Sat were in those, right? Okay, well, are, are they, they in those? I don't think so. I don't think they are. Oh, wow. So this is the first time no, they've been in No, no, because Julianne, because then they have Julianne Moore, who at the time is Ian Malcolm's girlfriend, and then it also has Vince Vaughn. Um, so I, if they are, okay, it was like Grant's it's a three. comment. Oh, Grant is definitely in three. He is a major player in three. And um, yeah, and Laura Dern is also in three, um, but only for about maybe a total of 10, 15 minutes of screen time max. Gotcha. Yeah, but... Yeah, so he is. They're not okay. Really well, I guess, was, I, I guess it was a bigger Definitely. deal than I even realized. Have order and show up. I guess. Um, my, I guess my question. I was just gonna ask you kind of the same thing, Adam. And that, like, um, did you did did you did you enjoy how they like kind of incorporated them and brought them in? Because I can. I, I guess my thing was like I, I could kind of see why. Uh, you know, I, I could easily see how someone might be like. Or one thing I enjoyed seeing about it was like, it was kind of cool, like as someone who doesn't maybe have as long a relationship with these characters as other people, I still kind of appreciated like seeing how excited they got seeing the different kind of dinosaurs. And it's funny. He's like still working a dig site at mm-hmm. a point where it's like these, these dinosaurs are all over the world. You can go <laughs> see the real things dude everywhere. If you just like get out a little bit, but he's just on a dig site and they kind of like kind of note that about him. And then he's like, Oh man, like it's like, wow, I, I'm, I'm seeing all of these things there. And I guess they maybe done a better job of preserving and repopulating the biosyn preserve with some of them such that that would be uh just not maybe a little harder to just go out and find in the wild but i at least enjoy his performance enough and uh and laura doran's performance enough when they're not saying ridiculous things that i'm like you know like i i kind of appreciate having someone that like you know is like there and it's like taking it in like in in, in kind of awe at least to a certain extent whereas like everything that claire and owen are involved in is just like uh they're just very stressed the whole movie yeah what how did you enjoy having sam neill and laura Dern back in the fold yeah it was cool seeing them like i mean they they were necessary like i mean if you're gonna have these dual plot lines kind of converging like you need to have characters that are recognizable like taking care of their end of the story um i mean i like they're delightful they're like they're good like the right the writing kind of fails them a little bit like they're stupid stuff i really didn't need the um estranged lovers plot line that they like tried to force i didn't need that um well, I mean, that romantic tension has been going since the first movie. Yeah, um, it's like, so like, it was like, definitely... Is that, is that what people really remember from the first movie about the characters? They're like, I didn't need that in this movie. I mean, you remember, like, the sexual tension between them. And then when you look at um, the third, uh, the third one, there's that moment of that as well. So I think the big function of it was fan service, 100%. Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen uh, But I mean, it did kind of, you know, do that callback to the earlier movies by doing yeah, but I, I mean, I thought they were good in the movie. Like, the writing, so the writing kind of failed them at points. But, like, I was glad they were there. I was happy to see them. Another nitpick about that. Right. <laughs> so, Laura Dern's character, um, that... So in the first movie, she is like a paleobotanist, right? Hmm. And that's what she got her doctorate in. And, you know, obviously, if you get an ed, like a doctorate 
you know, towards academia, you have a very, you know, specific focus, but now she's just totally doing other things. Now she just switches from paleobotany to, you know, sustainability. And so I feel ecology, like that was yeah. in modern ecology. So I feel like there's like some kind of gap um, that's, you know, problematic for me. Hmm. Interesting. I, that, that's a pretty deep nitpick. I, I guess I will, I will get, I'll, I'll get, I'll get into one of my other things, but at first I'll get to something I liked. And, you know, we kind of like, we talked a little bit about all these people and, you know, they all, they all eventually converge, but before they do, we're, you know, we're on the Island and we get to kind of see this, uh, get to see this whole car, not the Island. We're, 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 we're in the bio. Yeah. We, if, whatever. Valley. We're, we're, yeah mountain preserve whatever uh we're, we're I, isolated area with dinosaurs and the well i guess the way in which uh claire and owen and uh I, and uh wait what's the name of the character that helps them out again shoot i'm drawing a kayla her name is kayla kayla oh. so the, the way they could i mean they kind of literally crash land into the place and that's when things start to get precarious in addition to when grant and sad or go off and like get their uh locust sample uh, they both have like their own really and what I thought was like the the stronger parts of the movie. They both have their own like really, really like tense moments uh, when uh, Sattler and Grant and Macy end up like kind of shipped off into these tunnels uh, and diverge from the course they were on. When uh, Ramsey, the communications guy at Biosyn, like tries to help them out, they, they, they end up in like these tunnels that for some reason have dinosaurs in them. Uh, even though like, you know, in, in theory, these dinosaurs are supposed to be like out on the preserve, like, you know, seemingly enjoying themselves. There's like a haunted tunnel that like uh, that this uh, that uh, that this guy just, uh, just put 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 right there just, to, you know, just just in case he needed to, like, you know, cast off one of his enemies, I guess. And it's like legit scary, I think, you know, like seeing them kind of go through these tunnels where all these like dinosaurs are popping up out of nowhere. It felt like oh, the Spinosaurus like, Sure. It felt like a. <laughs> It felt like an effective like horror sequence that I mean that like I don't want to like say it's on the level of the Jurassic Park kitchen scene, but it's like effect. It, it was spooked. It spooked me in those ways, you know, and similarly when uh, there's there's the one where like Owen and Kayla and Claire are trying to get to that treehouse compound and they're getting tracked down by I, I, I don't know if it is that is it the, is it the Gigantosaurus at that point or is it something else? I don't know. They, they have first, the first, it's, well, first it's the. Dilophosaurus is the ones that have the big uh, thing around their neck mm. that spit. That's the frill? That, the, for the frill around their neck, and then they spit. Yeah, those things are terrifying. Yeah, so that's they're there first, and then after they fight them off or whatever, um, then the Gigantosaurus comes um, yeah. and tries to kill them all. Yeah, and... I, I guess my thing is that like a lot of those sequences and when Claire, like after she parachutes down and she has to hide from, I think I looked it up. It's the, that was a callback. That was a callback to Jurassic, um, Jurassic park three, because they had the parasailing accident and, um, Sam Neill actually like the kid was, um, tandem riding to, you know, it was like a dinosaur tour, whatever. And, that you know the dinosaurs ate the boat that was pulling them on the paraglide and so they had to you know do the parachute and in the lost world when they're like oh we found our son you know William H. Macy and Tia Leone if I remember correctly um it was actually the tandem paraglider was found hanging in the trees by his parachute he was dead so it was just you know uh 
rapidly okay. decomposed skeleton. But that was a moment that did happen in the third movie was, you know, that finding of a, you know, hanging person from a parachute. Interesting. Well, so uh, glad Claire had better luck with that, I guess. Uh, but then she, yeah. has to, she, she, she has to hide from the, which I looked it up. I did not get the name of it in the movie. It's apparently the Therizinosaurus. And she has to like do the, she has to do the apocalypse now thing where she goes into the water or whatever and uh, comes out all wet and whatnot with just with her head popping out. And I I thought her running from the thing that was very tense. And there is all these very tense moments and all of them doing that. Plus, just kind of like knowing things have gone south to the point where they needed to, you know, evacuate the actual headquarters. Like they've made the island feel like a. I, I called it an island again. Uh, they they they've made the compound feel like a very like dangerous, precarious uh place to be and after they actually kind of like uh are able to fend them fend off everything from the while they're in the 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 little treehouse uh setup they're like all right we need to get back to headquarters and put together a plan and they just get back there with no problem i mean (laughs) we're led to believe that like you know they're somewhere else uh on the whole compound like a decent amount decent way to ways from it but then they just they're they're just able to get back and kind of get into command stations and do everything they need with like very little issue it seems like and besides, like, I guess a locust here and a locust there, but at that point, they, th- those things have already been burned up. It just feels like they they kind of set this up as an incredibly dangerous place. Now these dinosaurs are running wild. And then it's like all of a sudden, like, they don't really have that much trouble doing what they need to do, like, for most of the rest of the movie. Even when they go out and are trying to catch that helicopter, it's like, oh, like, oh, no, there's going to be a lot of dinosaurs around here. But it's like, oh, no, the T-Rex and the Giganosaurus are just going to fight. And I get it. I can only complain so much about that sequence because people come to these movies to watch big dinosaurs, in theory, fight. Like, that's been a part of each of the last two of them, at least, where it's like, you're going to get a big showdown like that. But it just felt like it kind of, like, robbed the movie of, like, a lot of the stakes and, like, uh, danger that had been actually, in some places, like, pretty effectively well set up before then. Like, I mean... I don't know if someone needed to die. It looked like they were going to set up for set it up for Malcolm to die at one point when he kind of like um, it seems like he might sacrifice himself, but he just yeah. has his own like kind of little, uh, you know, fire spear moment when he goes after the Giganosaurus and shows some which real, happened in the first him. movie. We uh, thought, well, okay, yeah, he distracts, he distracts oh, the T-Rex. He did that. Like the, once we had watched the first one again, obviously I'd watched it, you know, early last mm. week and then we watched mm. the new movie and now I'm watching it again. Um, clearly I'm a huge fan of these movies. If I can watch mm. them over and over, very rewatchable for me. Like I'm like thinking, I was like, there's so much that is unoriginal. It's like, mm. they just like nitpick from, you know, the old movies um, my favorite, my favorite part that of that kind of took away from it for me a little bit, like in retrospect. I'm like, oh, I saw that. My, my favorite oh, part, I've seen that again. My favorite part of that scene though was where like Jeff Goldblum like shoves the the stick that's on fire or whatever into the Gigantosaurus's mouth, and then the Gigantosaurus just like breathes fire, and I'm like, great, you made a dragon. <laughs> like, great, good job, made it worse. I told you you were missing out on the comments. Oh God. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's for me, it just felt like the movie just kind of like fell apart at the end. And like, I was like, this is like kind of what I was afraid about in that, like, there's just something inherently less interesting about this thing. Like you're, there's a ceiling on how like interesting this whole movie can be down the stretch. If it's just like all about a CEO that wants to take over the world, that doesn't really have any actual allies 
It's like, it's like once they kind of like take the teeth out of him, there's really not a lot left to it, I guess. You know, it oh, just you mean I mean, budget I, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, both in like, uh, you know, uh, uh, both in position and in look, they, they, they aren't they aren't so subtle about that, are they? No, um, no. I, I and, will say I do. I do appreciate a summer blockbuster whose core message is uh, mega corporations and billionaires will kill you if it means they get like better profits and more power. I appreciate that as a message for a, a massive summer movie. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, yes, corporations are bad. They will, uh, they will uh, unleash locusts on you. If it means that they can be a better we, we supply. Haven't talked, we haven't even talked about the locust yet. And just that whole, that whole thing as like a plot, as a plot device, as a, as a thing. Like I didn't expect this movie to be focused so much on bugs. Shouldn't they have at least, at the very least, shouldn't they have looked a little more prehistoric like, bugs? Thank you very no, much. No, they're not. They're just they're just big locusts with like prehistoric DNA. No, no. Not, oh, with prehistoric DNA. Yeah. Which well, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they have just looked more like mini flying dinosaurs or something? Well, here, here's what makes me mad. Here's what makes me mad. So, like, okay, we haven't really talked about it much. But, like, the whole plot revolves around the idea that there are these giant locusts that are eating up all the world's grain. Uh, because Biosyn released them uh, in order to kill off all this grain that so they could sell their own version of crops and make a profit right, right. and have more power. That's the whole plot, which, okay, fine. The whole movie's about an ecological disaster. Why did we have to introduce a whole other thing of bugs when they totally ignore the fact that if you release dinosaurs all over the world, you know, all these animals, herbivores and carnivores that have no natural food and no natural predators that in itself is an ecological disaster they could have had the same movie with the same plot line and just focused on the dinosaurs and we could have got our hey there's a problem that all these prehistoric dinosaurs yeah, are we could have gotten like triceratops like eating all the you know, clearing like, yeah clearing yeah. fields they, they could have or... had the same, the same plot line same everything without the whole bug plot line uh, yeah, and the, yeah, and, and and then you could have gotten more at what I was saying. I wanted was like the implications exactly. of these things being in the real world, and also, exactly. I mean, if they wanted to, like you know, have some other kind of you know, somewhat, uh, somewhat political message uh, beyond just like corporations are bad, uh, maybe you could have just had that like uh, these things that are you know lived that were kind of designed to or that were kind of genetically uh, first set to live in a time that was thousands and thousands of years ago are now living in like a rapidly heating up planet. And yeah. that might that that might be a problem for some of them, and then that could be like another challenge that these uh that, that these human characters are facing is like how to, how to kind of like you know handle them the, to the extent they do want to care about saving the dinosaurs. Like we do see Owen, you know, like tracking some of these things down that have found their way into colder weather than they probably should be in. You know, like I there's just there, there's just like boundless possibilities, and I feel like the the route they went was just like let's just have a rich evil guy be the bad guy, and that Wait. I. I, I <laughs> It's just it's funny because one of my favorite movies is uh, is big the Tom Hanks movie and it's mm. just like there's a lie it's like you can't just go to a, go to a meeting and say bugs well that's what they did they went to a meeting they discussing the plot and they're like how about bugs like it's just <laughs> like you could have had the same movie and probably been better if you just make the ecological disaster the dinosaurs that have been released all around the world which yeah. is what people are going to see the movie for not big locusts yeah I don't. I don't even really have much to add like i mean we kind of already like talked about the ending of this movie if to me it just kind of fizzles out these people like get on i mean should someone have died like yes. what, how do you yes 
yes oh my god one of the main characters needed to die there are no stakes in this movie Every, they literally even even bd wong made it yeah, to the end and he looked like he was like an ailing like coastal grandmother who like is on so, her last year of life after a cancer diagnosis like so like so like they there's the scene the plane crash scene where they're flying towards uh biosyn uh kayla uh chris pratt and um and bryce dallas howard and they're like the plane's crashing because we're being attacked by pterosaurs and we only have one ejector seat so chris pratt's like bryce dallas howard you have to go i'll see you again and like she ejects and then goes on her mayhem mayhem dinosaur escape mm-hmm. and like they crash the plane and like, yeah, yeah we're fine and it's like what they weren't exactly <laughs> they fine were, they were, were fine they, they evaded a they were feather raptor dinosaur it was but very saying, scary they, they were for fine. them Adam. they were fine from the actual plane crash they had like no, a, a couple of scratches like i'm like really like i know I'm guessing at some no point stakes. in the next week, I, I, I'm guessing you guys are going to be going to see Top Gun Maverick at some point in the next week. Yeah. And uh, let's just say that uh, my friend Maya and I had a very similar conversation on the Top Gun podcast about uh, about whether or not there are too many uh, survivor, surviving people surviving incidents involving planes in that movie. And it's like, and I told her when we had that conversation. All right, like, well, you know what? Goosestein in the first one was well, more than traumatic enough for however many Top Gun movies they make. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Right. And obviously, I I mean, you guys might know enough about Top Gun Maverick at this point to know, like, uh, uh, Miles Teller's playing Goose's son. And it's like, so obviously, like, Goose's death, like, to some extent, what's so funny? We can cut this later, I guess. But Kayla showed me a meme earlier where it was like, Miles Teller, you mean an odometer? (laughs) 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 <laughs> i'm not i'm not cutting that but basically like uh so goose's death does ha- hang over that movie to some extent but i'm like you know i'm not one that's always like you got to kill someone you got to kill someone like we i told her like i i, I was ne- I, I kind of ha- made the point when a lot of people like criticize like captain america civil war for no one dying like i think i i, I was fine with it and a lot of people are like someone needs to die and sometimes i just feel like people say someone needs to die because they don't really know any other way for a movie to like somebody needed stakes. to die here yeah. yeah well i mean and i want in, in like well in okay like a, you know well, what? also a point Dod- i made and- dodged in it dodged in it technically not counting him does not count does not count <laughs> right 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 and all then, right well, spoiler and the, yeah and the uh but like i at a certain point it's like i was like waiting for something different to happen to shake it up because i just didn't like the way the movie was going it's like jeff goldblum is 69 years old that's a that's a really yeah, nice <laughs> people people have a relationship with that character i mean at this point i, I mean i wouldn't I, there's gonna uh, be there's gonna can, be more dress can we, can we talk movies. about him for a second yeah I'm, I'm hold on i'm just saying there's gonna be there's gonna be more of these movies at some point but there's, they're not gonna there's not gonna be more in like three years they're not in production yet so at some point like whenever they actually get around to maybe rebooting this again jeff goldblum is gonna be in his like mid to late 70s he doesn't need to be in another one of these they, that would have been a cool way for him to go out or something like that just to shake things up and have bring them like, give the movie a little bit more of a heart than it ultimately had and it just didn't even have any interest in doing something that interesting or but, sam what, neil you think sam neil's coming back for another jurassic park movie i doubt it like kill exactly. him off yeah, this find a cool way to like make them go out heroically. Uh, what what did you yeah. want to say about Jeff Goldblum, Kayla? Well, Daddy? Jeff Goldblum, Daddy. Um, yeah, exactly. Daddy, Daddy not Daddy. Um, <laughs> Silver Fox. No, but like I just I did not feel fulfilled by his role in the movie. 
Hmm. Like as Dr. Ian Malcolm, like I did not feel like he was, and it hurts my heart to say it because I love Jeff Goldblum, but I didn't feel like he was worth it in the movie because like, why did, why did we need the whole like ethics lecture? Like, why was that necessary? Like, why couldn't we have gotten a clip of just, you know, people leaving the lecture hall? Like, why did we need that moment? Um, and I get that he was playing a part. I understand that, but I don't know. I felt like it, it lacked. I'm not sure what it lacked, but it just, it did not feel that his role, you know, in this movie was like fulfilling and I, I don't know. It just at, at didn't, some, it didn't some feel points, good. <laughs> at some points it felt like he was playing a meme of Ian Malcolm and not like Ian Malcolm. Like, well, and at one point I did lean over to Adam. I was like, it's crazy. They didn't even give Jeff Goldblum a script. They just said, have at it. Like, but, cause that's how I felt about it. Cause like, kind of how I feel when he shows up in the Thor Ragnarok movie, but like, well, yeah, know. that too. But he, it was like have, the one point where he's like, this is bananas. And I was like, are you, what kind of line is that? Like, come on. He, he did have the line of the movie, the line that summed up the whole film where he said, Jurassic world, not a fan. <laughs> but it was just like, it, yeah, I like how Adam said it. It was just very memeable, like very meme. Yeah, I guess um, I can't really remember what, what that character was in the other movies. So it doesn't, I just don't have as deep of a relationship I mean, with him. Was, so I, he was kind of like, I mean, he was kind of like an, a little bit of an oddball, but like smart and like, I don't know. It just, the, the part that bugged functional. me the most. Yeah, the part that bugged me the most was like where he's trying to solve the, like trying to punch in the code to free like uh, Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler. Uh, and, and Maisie Randall from, does it um, like remotely right but he's trying to solve it and he's like nonchalantly like it's like chatting while like they're fighting for their lives like that that sound felt like more like a meme than like actual character I don't know was not crazy like I like that scene but that part like kind of I did not like I'm like why are you so nonchalant and then he was just about, like you're about to yeah and he was just like oh eaten. I got the code and it was like come <laughs> on dude <laughs> All right. Uh, Kayla, anything else about this movie we haven't touched on yet that you want to talk about? Any other favorite visual um, moments? Did you have any? Did, did you guys have any? We didn't really talk. Did you guys have any issues with the they C- paid CGI a lot versus? Of money. They paid a lot of money for the CGI. There were times, and it could also be because we were in Dolby. So we have like, you know, the highest resolution screen possible in the movie theater right now. Um, but there were some moments that you're like, oh, that's CGI. Like that's. And I know, obviously, dinosaurs are going to know that CGI, but also the first movie, second movie, they had the, you know, animatronics, but it just, my favorite moment was the end where it was starting to show the world (laughs) being symbiotic with, you know, the dinosaurs and animals where it was like, oh, look, it's the Lion King, but it's stegosauruses with the elephants. Um, but it's like they spent a lot of money on this movie. I can tell they spent a lot of money on this movie, a lot on effects, and that's great. We got a blockbuster. Um, but kind of, I guess, the biggest idea that we have, you know, related to this movie is that it could have been used better 
just like the plot could have been done better. The CGI had some areas that were lacking. It could have been better. The acting could have been better. The script could have been better. The entire premise could have been better. So it's just, it could have been better. Yeah, I I feel like I remember one point where like I, I thought like, oh, that kind of looks more like an animatronic dinosaur. But like, I only remember one specific point like that. And I don't even remember the top of my head what it was. It's just kind of weird that like, and I, there's never a point where I'm like, the CGI is distractingly bad, but it is hard. It, it is funny to just think about how, like, you know, how universally applauded the animatronics were in the original Jurassic Park. And it's right. like, wow, like, why don't, why, why have they gotten so far away from that? You I, know? I felt at one point, especially with the, um, in my head, they're the frilled lizards, the ones with the, the necks and the scary leaf and the venom and stuff totally blanking on their name but I felt there it is at one point I I don't remember if I leaned over to Adam or not but it, like I felt like I was on the ride dinosaur at Animal Kingdom at Disney <laughs> for like some of it and I love that ride but in a movie if I say that it's not a compliment <laughs> like that's how it kind of felt where you had like one moment on that attraction where you know the dinosaur like ah kind of thing it felt like that and I was like felt a little theme park ride to me at some points but it just it was lacking it could have been so much more Adam any other final thoughts from you on Jurassic World Dominion Oh, no, yours was the thing about the raptors running. Oh, my God, that drove me nuts. So, <laughs> What's that? okay, I, I do like the Malta sequence. Like, I do like um, the part, like, in the, the black raptor, market. The I, raptor parkour? Yeah, oh, well, less so that part. I like the part in the, like, black market. I like that part. But the raptor parkour, not a fan. What drove me absolutely up the wall, though, was you have Bryce Dallas Howard running from a raptor. Okay, and she's... She's, you know, beating it in a race. Like she's keep she's in keeping a foot race in a foot race with the raptor. Okay, fine. Um, then like two minutes later, um, like they're in cars and Chris Pratt's on a motorbike, and the raptors are keeping pace with that. And then they get into a plane and the plane is taking off, and the raptors are keeping pace with that. And it's like, how does any of this make sense? Um, it's I can forgive a little bit of stuff like that, but like that was just so egregious, and it was like you know, it was separated by like 30 seconds. So it's like, it's very obvious that drove me up the wall. Uh, I'm like, this makes no sense. Why can the Raptor not catch Bryce Dallas Howard, but can literally keep pace with a plane or a she car? She trains hard. Yeah, yeah. Bryce <laughs> Dallas Howard entered the Olympics. I, well, she's come a long way from like, there was a big controversy in the first movie. Like, I don't remember what the controversy was. It had to do with her and her high heels or something. And Oh, yeah. Okay. So she was wearing kitten heels in the... um jurassic world and i know you guys do not have the experience of walking around in kitten heels and especially with a pointed toe but you're not running in those you're just not oh okay yeah, well, well the, yeah I mean, I, I, and i I have, a, I have a lot of other nitpicks like there's stupid stuff like um the whole idea like the reason why Maisie gets kidnapped to begin with is because her you know her mother fixed her genetic disease by fixing her dna which makes no sense at all but whatever um, that's how they're gonna fix the locust yeah. and then that's how they're gonna fix the. that's how they're gonna that's how henry Wu wants to like kill off the locusts is to like figure out how to change their dna 
um, okay, fine, fine. She she hears this and is like, oh, they're trying to save the world. Like Henry was trying to save the world. And she's like, better release this raptor and, you know, not let them save the world. And I'm like, I get your 14, but like, come on. Um, you just like, you're purposefully sabotaging the plan to stop, stave off ecologic disaster. And, like there's a whole bunch of stuff in the movie that like, Ooh. if you think about it for more than like four seconds, they're like, this makes no sense at all. None of it makes sense. But other than that, like <laughs> it, it's not a good movie. Well, like, I guess my I guess my last nitpick then going off what you said was I don't really know how, what I'm supposed to think about Henry Henry Wu at any point. Like apparently he actually was behind some I had forgotten until I went back and read the Fallen Kingdom pot summary. He was behind like putting together the uh the Indoraptor, which I mean didn't really seem like a good Indominus idea. Rex. That I one? don't know. No, it's called the Indoraptor, like that other raptor that they have in it. Um, right? Oh, okay. Sure. I thought, Let's go I, with I, it. Yeah. I, yeah. And then in, and then in here, he's like, it's implied that like he kind of like helped create the locust and now he's helping to solve the lotus pro- locust problem. So maybe yeah. he's the only guy that can, but it's like, man, like this I guess- This guy hasn't learned his lesson in like 30 years. Right. We're trained to like, like BD Wong, but like, I'm like, oh yeah, him. I'm like, wait, what has he ever done that's good? It's kind of weird. It's like, <laughs> I don't he's really the bad know. guy. Right. He's like a bad guy that's just always like talks in a very kind voice. Uh, so I, I just don't really get his deal. And I'm like, are we really supposed to be on his side by the end? And I do think he kind of comes to them hat in hand at, at the very end, you know? Um, and it's like, all right, he, he gets, he's done something wrong, but it's like, and maybe the but, bad guy, but I can also fix this. Yeah. I don't, it's weird. He's like, he, he, he's, he, he's clearly like kind of behind, uh, Macy's kidnapping, but they like, were so concerned if they could, they didn't think about if they should. That's mm. that is B.D. Wong's character in Jurassic But he hasn't learned. Park world. He hasn't learned. He exactly. Hasn't learned. Exactly. He's, He's more concerned about could instead of should. Oh, oh, one other nitpick that I had is that. So, OK, in Jurassic World. Clearly, which, we're tearing this apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, OK, so in, in Jurassic, in the first Jurassic World, which I did enjoy and I do like and overall have a positive opinion of. So Chris Pratt, like trained like the Raptors in that movie. That's why they like respect him, listen to him. Okay, cool. I, I'm fine with that. Great. Now, you know, two movies later, every single dinosaur that he puts his hand up to is like, oh, okay, cool. Got it. Like, sweet. I got it. It's because it, he has alpha energy. Yeah, obviously. yeah, I guess. Like, every single dinosaur that he does that to, it just, like, works. Like, and other characters do it to other dinosaurs, and it works. And I'm like, what the like what the hell is happening here this makes again some of the stuff you think about it for more than like a half a second and it makes no sense um so over, as well, much well, well, as we have torn it apart though well, no, my, my overall we opinion, enjoyed like, it for yeah, what it was I, I would go see it like it, again it's not a good movie but like there are enjoyable parts there are you know it's worth seeing you know for fun like it's not you're not going to be like oh, it's not winning any awards it's not like a great work of cinema but like okay like it killed two and a half hours and i like the franchise so like okay i'll go see it you know but that's like oh my overall opinion is like it's not good, but I'm I don't regret spending the two and a half hours to watch it. All right. Well, I don't I I don't regret it either because I had a fun time doing this with you guys. Though I don't know if I'd give like I mean, well actually I'm probably I'm probably pretty much right where you guys are. There weren't a lot of there was for a two and a half hour movie. It wasn't there was never a point where I was like oh man get me out of here. But there were some moments where I was just like oh this is stupid. And on the whole no not great. But like you know 
there are worse ways to spend two and a half hours when like at this point, there's not a lot else in theaters at the moment. If you've already seen Top Gun Maverick, you know, next weekend, or as a, people might not be hearing this till after light years come out, but we have light year coming next weekend, but there's just like not a ton of other. I already got my theater. ticket for that one. Yeah, there's a ton of other stuff in theaters, though, that like not a ton of other stuff in theaters that's like been new in the last few weeks, aside from Top Gun Maverick. That's like really you got to go see that. So, I mean, if you want to like, you know, support uh, big budget movies, whatever, I guess there's worse ways to spend your time. So, uh, Kayla, anything else you've been watching recently you want to direct the listeners to? Okay, so I know you're on your summer break, so I'm hoping you're. So Elvis is coming out in two weeks. So I do highly recommend um, the filmography not everybody of likes it. Not everybody likes it. And I'm okay with admitting that, but definitely go into a Baz Luhrmann rewatch. So definitely HBO max has Romeo plus Juliet, which, you know, most of us probably had to watch that in high school. Did Baby Leo. Yeah, Exactly. Baby Leo DiCaprio, baby Claire Danes, like peak hotness, like good on them. Incredible. Then also Moulin Rouge, one of my favorites. I listened to the album in its entirety multiple times a month. Like I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, And then you have Great Gatsby, you have Australia. So this is Baz Luhrmann's next movie coming out and I'm very excited for it. So I recommend doing a Baz Luhrmann rewatch and appreciate Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, singing phenomenally. <laughs> I've not watched Obi-Wan yet on Disney plus. But it's good. It, we are in, well, I know I'm enjoying it, but we do have to watch this week's episode. We haven't done gotcha. that yet. <laughs> All right. Adam, anything else you want to recommend? Yeah. I'm rewatching this. Like, um, it's like a small like, underground show. And a lot of people have heard of it. I don't know if you've heard of it or watched it uh, called Game of Thrones. Um, oh. <laughs> I am actually rewatching it. I know a lot of people, you know, have like, oh, it's so terrible. The end, it ends so badly. But um, I'm rewatching it. And I, got, I was watching it while I was sick with COVID. Uh, I'm like about to finish season four. And God, it's just the first few seasons are so, so good. Yeah, you can just stop after season six. On, I mean, I, I might honestly. Um, but like, yeah, the first four seasons are just incredible. Um, I just watched, you know, the fight between the mountain and the viper. And I was telling Kayla, oh, I was like, gosh, I was like, every time I watch it, I'm like, maybe the viper wins this time. I'm like, just, uh. just stab him. Just, just stab him and end it. And then, you know, what happens happens and it's upsetting. It's to me, I find it more upsetting than the red wedding. And I found the red wedding very upsetting the first time I watched it, but it's my first time rewatching it since I actually read the series. And um, I'm actually like, I read, I, I read, I watched the, the show when it was on. Then I read all the books, and now I'm rewatching the show. And I'm like, God, I love this this universe. I'm so happy that um, what is it called? The new the Fire and Blood Targaryen. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, the Targaryen, Targaryen show, uh, Rise of the Dragon, or whatever, House of the Dragon is coming out. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. Like because as bad as the show ended, um, it's such a cool universe. There's so much to it, and I'm very excited for that. And I do recommend reading reading the books, and I do recommend reading Fire and Blood. So there you go. Okay. Uh, this morning I watched Fire Island on Hulu. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's the new movie from uh, writer Joel Kim Booster. Uh, you know about him? Uh, it's I mean, well, he he play he he play he he stars in it too, along with SNL's Bo and Yang, and they are uh, they are just a group of uh gay friends from new york that go to fire island as gay people do that uh and <laughs> it is 
Uh, it is just a lot of fun and it's, it's, it's like a Pride and Prejudice adaptation in certain ways. I haven't watched Pride and Prejudice in a couple of years, so I probably didn't pick up on all of the parallels, but like it is, it is uproariously funny and a lot of fun to look at because it's a cool different kind of setting for a movie like that. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's just it's just really impressive that this guy wrote this thing and his acts his ass off in it. And I, cause I mean, I've only see, heard, I've only known Joel Kim Booster to appear on podcasts here and there. I know he's a comedian. Uh, I obviously really like Bo and Yang on SNL and it's, it, it was cool to see them get to like kind of lead a movie like this and was a lot of fun and uh, definitely recommend people checking that out on Hulu. Uh, Kayla, anything you want to plug personally, or you're usually a little more of a blank slate social media wise when we plug stuff. Um. I mean, if you want to follow my Instagram and see me post things about like speech or dogs or Disney or uh, speech and dogs, basically, um, I don't know. Also donuts, I guess. Um, Mm, But yeah, no, definitely. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, It's speechy bell. So B-E-L-L-E as in the Disney princess um, underscore Kayla. So it is. It's Disney dogs, drinks, <laughs> and speech. All the things that that is I Kayla like. in a nutshell. Yep, Adam. <laughs> you know what? Mean? It it really is. I mean, you know, you might also get some of my like summer reads in there. You know, but mostly dogs. All right, Adam. My dogs you... specifically. <laughs> Not random Adam, people's dogs. Adam, anything you want to plug? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at ab lichtenstein. Um, Mostly, I talk about the Miami Hurricanes. I cover the Miami Hurricanes. So, talk a lot about that, obviously. But um, also, I'll kind of just like, I use my Twitter to kind of talk about anything that kind of pops into my mind. So, yeah, movies, music, sports, anything going on. Um, most importantly, talking about the 44 and 16 New York baseball Yankees um, <sighs> who just swept the Chicago Cubs. We love to see it. Yeah. As of this recording, the Phillies' nine game winning streak ended today with a 13 to one loss. So, I'm just kind of a. Uh, uh, I, I'm a little sad about. Feel that. sad about uh, it. <laughs> yeah, as as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on both uh, Twitter and Letterbox. Uh, most of the Philly sports teams are in sad places, so I don't actually tweet about sports as much as I used to. But I've also been very busy at work, so I don't tweet that much at all. Uh, 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 you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Rewind Movie Pod. Email us at the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. Uh, coming up next on the podcast, I I will probably be putting out the podcast I'm doing with. Pixar correspondent Joe on Lightyear. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to Adam and Kayla for joining. And we'll see you next time.